three, two, one. Hello friends and welcome to the Midweek Kings of Anglia podcast. I'm calling this one today papering over the cracks because that was the term I saw most used last night. My name is Mark Heath. I'm your host as ever and joining me today is just one man. But one man is all we need when it's in the form, the shapely form of Hutch Hogan, Andy Warren. How are you, Andy? Just one man. Just one little man. Um, momentous day. This is going to be the last one of these that I record sat on a sat on this chair because I've bought a new chair for the office and uh, for the home office. So this is a, a farewell to what is essentially, I think my wife nicked it from from her school or something back in the... Uh, what is it like a, pla- a plastic, is it like a plastic school chair then? No, of- it's... I've got it's got a little bit of padding on it, but it's very very basic. Um, but I've invested in a slight a slight upgrade, nothing crazy, but um, yeah. So there we go. That's that's my fun my fun fact for the morning. Goodbye, old chair. Hello, new chair. Has it got wheels? This new chair? No, uh, no, because carpet length would render that. Ah. Yeah. See, I've I've been thinking about it. It's not just uh, not just off the cuff. I've I've sized it up. I've uh, I've tested the carpet length, and it is a no wheel no wheels job. Excellent. Um, there, there is a segue there, I'm sure, into town, um, which we'll get onto in a minute, Hutchie. Before we do, the important question: Christmas situation in your household. Um, how deep into Christmas are you, and what kind of Christmas food are you consuming, or will you be consuming most over this festive period? No Christmas food yet in in any way whatsoever. Um, but we have the tree, the tree up and yeah, that's about it really. Um, this yeah. is, this is, this is, this is a big Christmas for young Warren, isn't it though? Because this is probably the first one she'll be kind of aware of what's happening. Is it or not? Yeah, it's but nothing's happening. Is it like all the fun stuff isn't, isn't happening. Like you can't, she can't really go and see Santa. There's a, yeah, it's all it's all a little bit sad, really. But I think if that stuff was going on, she'd be well into it. You could dress up as Santa. I could, <laughs> and we'll leave it. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> bit of background. Bit of background before we get into the football. Me and Hutchie were both up to one a.m. Uh, this morning, um, but I think we're probably vastly different in our approach because uh, I don't know what you did when you got home, Hutchie. But when I'd finished, when I walked down from the office last night. Having guided the uh, the print process through to fruition, Ipswich Town winning two one, of course, I grabbed a gift from friend of the show Stefan Vashik on the way downstairs from my TV room, which is the the single malt whiskey he sent to us, um, and I had a nice big glass of that while sitting on the sofa feeling good about myself. Warren, what was what was your situation when you got home last night? Did you just say your walk home from the office? No, I said my commute. I think my walk downstairs. Okay. <clears throat> Uh, well, I didn't get home until about quarter past midnight, uh, and then, cut a long story short, yesterday I picked up the deer hunter from the uh, <laughs> from the uh, from the garage. Uh, then got home and realised I didn't have the key to it. Oh! And thought, and thought I'd left it in the ignition. So, having walked back from Portman Road, I then drove back to Portman Road. Then when I got there, remembered that I'd actually gone into the office four or five hours previously and given the key back to our editor. So that was that's why I was that's why I didn't get home uh, until till about didn't get home till about one a.m. Absolute shambales. Um, yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk about town on that on that note, Hutchie, because I think there's two there's two ways to approach this game, and I'll be interested to see which way you approach it. Obviously, we can talk around 
all the various issues. If we town won two one last night against rock bottom basement boys Burton Albion. Um, first, I mean, first of all, your, your opening thoughts on the game because I said to to Stu, your partner in crime and work husband, on Monday that uh, nothing less than an impressive win against Burton would do for town, considering their bottom of the table. Stu corrected me and said they just need to win. However, they win, it doesn't matter. Now they got the win. It wasn't particularly impressive, but but how do you feel about it? What about that statement? Um, I don't. I don't think even an impressive win would have would have changed anything. Um, so, I, you know what? You know what? I'm I'm just in the camp of that they did. They just needed to win, um, which is what they, which is what they did. We know full well that these games they're not going to. Lambert's admitted it himself, hasn't he? The, these games are not going to turn the tide of opinion in any way whatsoever, um, unless they lose them. Um, the wins aren't going to do them an awful lot in terms of credit in the bank and just, just get through them, get them, get them, get them one. Um, <laughs> and then, and then, and then d- d- the business, the business has to come in, in the games like we've got coming up on, on Saturday at Peterborough. They're the, they're the, they're the tide changers, the opinion swingers, the onion hangers, whatever you want to call it. Um, just get it done. I think that's your attitude to the podcast today as well. Um, starting 11 yesterday, there was a ripple of excitement around the town Twitter sphere when it looked like Jackson and, and Big Hawkins. Perhaps it looked like a 4-4-2. It didn't end up being that way. But what did you make of uh, the formation? Obviously, they switched it and, and that's where the uh, the winner came from in the end. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we finally got to see Jackson in this wide role. And, and he did what I thought he would do out there. He... He did link up with Hawkins from that wide right, wide right role better than um, better than some others have in in that position. But also at times left Hawkins a little bit isolated. He had some good moments on the ball. His his crossing can be decent at times, Jackson. Other times not so. But yeah, he. I think it, I think it worked quite well. The thing I particularly liked about the subtle's subtle tweak in this is that it. It was more four two three one than four three three. If we're going to go into these micro specifics, and and that that gives Dazelle a little bit more license, I think playing playing in that two behind a three, and we've seen Andre in the last two games this time alongside Emir Hughes get forward, get forward a little bit more, break with the ball, um, particularly look particularly dangerous. Andre last night with with little one twos on the edge of the box, which which didn't quite come off. Um, but they look dangerous and they look like they they confused Burton. And it was just another way of Ipswich being able to break the lines of an opponent, which they, is something they really something they really can't can't do. Teddy Bishop's a big a big loss in that regard in terms of dribbling ability. Um but having Dazelle alongside somebody else, Emir in this case, just gave him that little bit more freedom, which was which was good to see. But yeah, you're right. The the winner came just a few minutes after after they switched it up to a four four two. I don't know if that necessarily changed how that goal was scored in any way whatsoever. But you saw the value of Ollie Hawkins there, kind of holding off five four five Burton defenders all at once, caused a bit of carnage in the box, and uh, Emma Hughes has scored a scrappy a scrappy winner. But um, they just got it. They just got it done. I don't think too many people would have come away particularly, particularly enthralled by, by it. But that's that's okay with me as long as they as as long as they start doing it in these big bigger games. 
No, no, obviously the performance wasn't great, but is there any argument at all that this is actually a, a half-decent win, given Burton came into the game four unbeaten? They hadn't lost since, I think, the middle of November. They beat Charlton 4-2, and they drew 1-1 at Sunderland. So they're in some decent form going in. So although on paper you look at town of edge past the, the basement side, is it maybe a better win than that? I think, yeah, given Ipswich's context as well, it was three defeats in a row for them without scoring a goal at home or in at Portman Road games having started so um so so re- so fast um mm. so no no it is a, it is a, it's a decent win but again it's not going to it's not going to change people's thoughts on it or anything is it let's let's be completely honest but yeah i, I think they they will be satisfied with a, a job well done with them so yeah, yeah all good other than Dazelle, who stood out for you, obviously Keenan Bennett um, is often tagged by you two as, as looking like one of the most likely people to make things happen. Uh, obviously, uh, from time to time, he can get his head down and just run into corners. But um, he was lively again last night, wasn't he? Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He was decent. He he's got he had that little bit more end product. A, a really good finish. A really good finish. Um, from from Keenan for the goal, um, two flick ons from Hawkins and then and then Jackson, which uh, which worked really well. Um, my my worry with him is, is end product. He's got the quick feet. He's got the drive. He, he's got he's got the ability to run at goal. His crossing is hit and miss. But I think maybe maybe we were expecting a little bit much. But maybe I was expecting a bit too much of a finished product. I, I would say, given his pedigree, obviously he's been at Tottenham and then Gladbach um, in Germany, which is a, a pretty decent finishing school for him to have been to. But maybe, maybe, maybe I was just expecting a bit more of a finished product, which, which arguably you would want to expect from a loan because of he's obviously come in and leapt ahead of Dobra, who who's got similar attributes. Um, but yeah, no, that was the, probably the best I'd seen him last night. It's just a. Just a shame he's joined the injured list like everybody else. Yeah, so obviously Bennett's went off at half-time, actually injured. Uh, the man who replaced him was Armando Dobra. Were you surprised at all to see Dobra start on the bench, given he's he's been a, a highlight of, of recent games? Yeah, I, w- I was a little bit. He'd started the last two, and there wasn't there wasn't a reason necessarily to drop him out. Um, we know we know that Lambert talks about saving saving legs and not pushing younger players too fast and things like that, but. I don't think. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. He got he got on on the in the end and had a had a decent game, although perhaps lucky to to stay on the pitch at the end for a bit of a a petulant lashing lashing out in the final minutes. But um, I'm sure should Bennett's be out at the weekend at Peterborough, Armando may get the nod for that game, a really big game. So um, yeah, to answer your question, yeah, I was a little bit surprised to see him dip out, but it's pretty. Pretty good that he did, really, because the man who came in ended up uh, ended up finding the net. Mm. What was the? Um, what, where do you think it went wrong? Because obviously, Town started like gangbusters the first ten minutes. They could have been two up, looked very bright indeed, and and that's how you want to see a side attack a game at home. Um, where, where did it start to go wrong after that in terms of um, the the play for you? Yeah, you're you're right. It was ten minutes, and it and it was fast, fast, furious, high tempo. Um, bit between the teeth big challenges going in um 
I think I think they they came out of the blocks incredibly fast, and just the moment they began to to fade a little bit, which that you're always going to do. We see teams come and sort of. You're obviously a boxing man. You you see fighters come out and punch themselves out in in no time, and then sort of limp on. And I think Ipswich had a bit little bit of a wobble around that ten minute mark, where where Burton began to get on top and have the ball a little bit more. And I think that I think they maybe did maybe did go into their their shells a little bit. Um, Burton Burton are organised. You can always give them that uh, under Clough. And then again now, even though he's moved on, but. Yeah, I think maybe that that first ten minutes was a pre-planned sort of blitz, which uh, which you can't keep up forever, sadly. And, and then Burton mm. managed to get on top a little bit, and certainly when the goal went in um, to, on, on twenty minutes, which is a really sort of familiar goal to Ipswich at the moment, these crosses into the box and then finishes from penalty spot six yard box range. Um, I think it probably shook them a little bit because things haven't been going particularly well, but. I guess that's where they get the credit for, uh, even though it was Burton, 24th placed Burton. Um, that's where they get the credit because they, they did just about find a way to win. Mm. Any other notes from the game, Hotchie? I'll just throw in this fact as well, which I uh, I discovered last night as I was writing the star back page. Um, that was the first win Ipswich Town have had in front of their home fans for 10 months. Since a 4-1 win against the very same team back on February the 15th, 2020 incredible it is but part of me part of me feels that that even if you like that feels a very Ipswich Town fact even if uh, even if you completely ignore that Covid has obviously meant they've played plenty of home games in that time and won loads of home games without any fans if someone at this present moment told me that Ipswich Town had not won a game in front of their own fans in 10 months <laughs> that kind of just just pat, like levels up with the mood doesn't it like yeah. it just it's just uh yeah it's just another another layer another layer to everything but what a wonderful parallel Absolutely. Um, Hutchie, any other notes you want to mention before we move on? We'll take some thoughts on the Kawe Army. Just really pleased to see Emir Hughes score score a goal. It's um, all the way back to that to that Newcastle game um, back in Easter 2017 since he scored a goal in the league, which is mad. That uh, literally feels like a lifetime ago, that. <laughs> like a completely different yeah. era. Like a different club, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, that happened. Yeah. Um, once again, I think for the third time this evening, this season, I spoke to Emir after a game and every single time he's had a little cough during it and apologised and insisted it's not COVID. Right. Every time, always the same. Um, I, th- I think it's strange that they don't wear masks because they're not being tested, are they? Certainly not as, as rigorously as, as higher up the pyramid. I don't I don't know what their current their current testing regime is. I don't know whether they've changed that since they had their own little mini, mini brush with it, with Caden Jackson and, and Luke Wolfenden um, having to isolate, but certainly, certainly kind of October time, it had been a long time since they've been tested. So yeah, yeah, that the fact, the fact they're not wearing masks for these is a, is a little bit odd. Um, yeah. Cause you're wearing masks, aren't you? You've got to wear masks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. We, yeah, we're, we're in the amber zone. You have to wear a mask in the amber zone. A dangerous zone. But, yeah, yeah, no, it is a, it is a little bit odd. Um, but uh, honestly, I'm not sure what their what their current sort of level of testing is. But certainly earlier in the season, it was not anywhere close to kind of what we've heard about 
in other sports. Mm. Like I think in the NBA, they're tested every day, aren't they? Every single day. Same in the NFL. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a world away from that. Um, they have they have a lot more money in those leagues than, than they, they certainly than, do. Go on. They certainly do. Uh, one one more little note. Um, Mark, Mark McGuinness. I thoroughly enjoyed Mark McGuinness last night. He was uh, powerful, leggy, athletic. Um, I think he showed all of the attributes why he's highly thought of both here and at Arsenal. Uh, but he also showed that he's he's a bit raw. I think he wants to win everything all the time at 100 miles an hour. And that can sometimes put him and his team in trouble. Um, Paul Lambert sort of questioned whether he needed to play a, a raking crossfield ball to Luke Chambers from, from incredibly deep, uh, which led to the Burton goal. And no, he didn't. Um, that kind of left Luke in a bit of no man's land. And then there are other occasions where he he overcommits to things and commits too early, goes into contact with with players and can get caught out a little bit. But he He's got he's got all of the attributes, and when he wins a header, he seriously wins a header. He kind of bends himself; he's almost sort of bent double to to kind of power his whole body through that header. So he, he's he's really good to watch, um, but certainly still some little raw bits that need need ironing out just that little bit. Are you aware of how much love your uh, your partner in crime, Stuart Watson, has for Mark McGuinness? Because every time yeah. he speaks about him or writes about him, he says he's seriously impressive. I think Stu wants to adopt him. He's that he's that impressive. Yeah, yeah. We're getting we're getting to the age where Stu probably could adopt him. Like in terms he's, of he's old so, enough to be his dad, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He is. I think <laughs> I think Stu would be like a seventeen year old father, yeah. but which is which is which is fine. So yeah, Absolutely. he could he could be. Um, yeah, he does. He does like Mark McGuinness. I must say, I do. I do appreciate him as well. Um, I don't think I need to adopt him though. <laughs> We've already, me, and, me and Stu have already got Ross, haven't we? As our adopted. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're, trouble, you're troublesome. You're troublesome work son. Yeah. Um, okay, mate. Let's take some thoughts from the the, King, the KOA army, uh, and then we can talk about post game. We've had plenty of thoughts, as you may expect, and some differing views, um, which would be interesting to talk about. Let's start with Steve Mellon, formerly of this parish, up now in Bristol, of course. Two points off top, he says, with most of our best players injured, shouldn't be sniffed at. I still worry we've got no plan B when the chips are down. Posh away will be very interesting. Get a battling point. Beat Northampton on Boxing Day with players coming back. Who knows? Uh, Matt Polly, Mr Negative. We somehow managed to beat a poor side. Play like that again on Saturday. And you know the rest. Matt Thomas, friend of the show. Depressingly, like the dual era, we lose games. It looks like a change may come. Then we win a game to keep the Wolves from the door. It was better, but also against the bottom of the league. How many times do we need to lose to playoff contenders for Evans to pull the trigger? I think the answer to that, Matt, is a good few few more yet. Alan Dobson, glad we won. A better team would have beaten us again. Our defence was weak. The captain is past his best. 4-2-3-1, still not working. Midfield, AWOL too much. Bennett and Dobra, real positives. Judge needs to retire. Alan Castle says, whether you like or hate Lambert, the bottom line is there no, there's no denying our performances would be so much better if KVY, Bishop, Downs, Edward, Norris and Scoos were all available. We just need to hang in there. A draw against Posh would be massive. Should we take that point then, Hutchie? Because obviously that was the point that um, Lambert made after the game, which was to be where they are, effectively joint second, obviously fifth on, on goal difference, but, but level on points with the rest of the teams around them, up to Hull, who are only two points ahead at the top, is incredible. When you look at the amount of injuries, I mean, if we'd have sat at the um, the start of the season at the brilliant KOA Live 2 and I'd have said, come Christmas time, 
Tam will be joint second, but they'll be without Downs, Norwood, Scoose, Bishop, Edwards, all these kind of important players. To use a football phrase and cliche, you'd have bitten your hand off, wouldn't you? Yeah, but this is this is where this is where things get tricky because it's all about context, isn't it? Yes, of course they're they're missing some they're missing those players, and there are a few of those in particular that may, would make a massive massive impact to this team. Of course, they would. Flynn Downs is the one that I think is the biggest key in there because him him alongside Dazel, they're just on each other's wavelength. They're they're perfect perfect for each other in there and I can't wait for the day we get to see it but you can't you can't ignore the fact that even 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 with those players last season and at times this season Ipswich couldn't beat the best teams in League One that's where that's where this is that's where all the concern is coming from it's coming on from what's happened in the past and it's coming through fear of what might might happen in the future, because theme worrying themes like terminal themes to last season's promotion challenge are, are continuing this year. But of of course, of course, you have to recognise that these these players are are out, and that is making it incredibly difficult for Ipswich. But you also have to take last season into it, and that's where I think the the concerns the concerns are genuine. We all want to see them beat these teams. We all want to see them go to Peterborough and win. Win two one with a, a brilliant last minute winner at Peterborough, but just sadly, there's just so much evidence building up over the last last season and the start of this one with those players and without those players and with a blend of those players that that show that they just can't beat these teams in this top the top end of the league. So that's what they're going to have to do. Sure, they're going to be doing this without without certain players. But as a whole, they they just need to show they they can do this. And if we're waiting for the cavalry to come in sort of January and February time, so be it. But they they need to do enough to both hang in there and prove that as a club and as a system and a structure, they can at the very least be seriously competitive in these games. Because worryingly, in in some of them of late, the three losses at Portman Road. They they haven't been, and th- th- this team should, regardless of the injury situation, this team should be competitive in those games, and that's what you've really got to hope to see. Mm-hmm. Good points, Hutchie. Uh, Stephen Smith makes the same kind of point about um, missing players and and feeling good about things. Um, he says, "Have we got any idea when some of those key players will be back? It's on my Christmas list." And we know obviously KVY is back in training. Any other updates as regard Downs and Bishop and people like that, Hutchie? Um, I think they're all on a. James Wilson is back in training. Um, he's one that I would think about getting back into this team. Potentially, they could do with that kind of more rugged centre back. Potentially, um, if you look at some of the goals that have been conceded, the bulk of them, the bulk of them, you're, you're looking at very best case scenario, the tail end of this year. Um, the start of January. So if you if you're talking about Peterborough, no, there's going to be nobody there. Northampton, then you've got Wimbledon and then Fleetwood to start the new year. I think maybe after that, I think there's the Swindon game on the 9th of January. Maybe maybe those first games of 2021 you're going to start seeing some of these, but I don't there's games to get through before this happens in, in any case and and this group needs to needs to take take that on and and prove that they can do it. Mm. So a few more thoughts and then obviously we, we can we can talk about Peterborough to finish. 
Um, Troublemaker says, I'm buzzing that Hugh's got the winner, hoping it will give him a massive confidence boost. Certainly, it's a, a good thing from Emir's point of view. I, I felt a higher class, says Adam Simpson. Yes, we have some shone through, but all players seem to be on different pages. Seems we just need to get all players on the same page and we'll work so well, he says. But who's complaining? Joint second. Um, Jamie Bullock, everything else aside, I'm bored of reading the same moans. I thought Hughes made a big difference last night, always pushing forward. And he's one of only a few players not afraid to have a shot outside the box instead of always trying to walk it in the back of the net. And this is something I want to talk to you about, Hutchie. Sam Bishop has reflected a few things I've been seeing. He says, first time in my life, I didn't celebrate the winner, didn't even stand up. That's how much I'm out of love with Ipswich right now. We talked on Monday, about apathy being the big danger with Ipswich at the moment. Carl Fuller, who is one of the most passionate Ipswich Town fans you will find, wrote a column earlier this week where he said he he didn't even bother applying for tickets to go to the game, despite the fact that the next game that he watches of Ipswich Town will be his 800th game. 800th game. Um, he says he's not interested in going, um, which is remarkable. So are you getting the sense that apathy is going to become an issue or is already an issue? Yeah. Yeah, um, we, we were told by the club recently that they've really not lost that many of the, the season ticket holders from the original kind of near 9,000 that signed up, which I which I, I find to be remarkable, remarkable show of loyalty. But yeah, it does it does feel that way, doesn't it? There's a bit of apathy there, um, a real, real sense of apathy, a bit maybe doesn't cut it. But what's going to win them back? winning games against the best teams in League One and showing that you can be a promotion contender. I think it's all it all comes down to that. And it, it's, we're banging on about this same point time and time again. And we've obviously got the Peterborough game to discuss, but that that's what's going to bring people back, isn't it? It's not late winners against what work, in workmanlike victories over Burton, is it? It's it's the win the win at Peterborough has been, oh yes, Ipswich beat Peterborough last time out, can't wait to go to the Northampton game. That that's what it needs, and, and and that's and that's why it's so vital that they that they can deliver in some of these big games. Because if if they don't, people are, people are just going to drift away because victories at victories against bottom half League One teams just aren't going to cut it, are they? Not sexy. They're not going to rev anyone's engine, are they? Actually, no. um, they, they might they might service <laughs> the engine just like a, a, a bronze service potentially. Yeah, they're not going to get it purring though, are they? Like a V eight. No. Um, Martin, our old friend Martin says, uh, in terms of the, the last comment I read out, he said, you're not alone. I couldn't even bring myself to clap. What is happening? Um, let's move on, shall we, a little bit to, to Peterborough then, Hutchie. And I'll just read out a few thoughts about Peterborough. David Fisher, who looked absolutely tremendous last night. I don't know if you saw him in the video. A fashion icon is our David. I did. I did. He's certainly got his own look, hasn't he? I, and I I like it. And, and he's a fine gentleman of the IP4 postcode area uh, where I live as well. So... Lives just round the corner, I believe. So, I dig uh, it. I dig it. I mean, he had, he had, he's wearing a pink jacket, some kind of neckerchief, uh, and obviously, I'm a big fan of his potty mouth anyway. So, I think swearing is great, like a child. Um, he says, uh, if we play like that against Peterborough, we'll lose. Um, so, he's not feeling positive at all. Ropington says, I'm predicting plenty of possession. In fact, more than Peterborough. This possession will largely be across our back two or close to them. We will not score, nor look like scoring, and we'll concede at least two goals. T Segs, Thomas Seggins, as well as saying how, how happy he was to be home last night, uh, home, home, I suppose, at Portman Road. He says, I'm not confident versus Posh. I can't see his beating another promotion contender. Uh, and there was one more I just wanted to get to 
uh, Harry Chapman. We can beat all these teams near the bottom, but it's the games around against the teams around us that we need to win to change fans' opinions. How are we still two points off top? It shows how poor the league is this season. So, Hutchie, we've talked about it probably more than anything else on the pod this this season. Um, Town have got to beat the sides around them, the, the promotion rivals, before we get to a point where we can't even call Town a promotion rival uh, anymore, a promotion hopeful. Um, they failed to do it consistently this season. Uh, obviously, Accrington, I suppose you could say, was was a winner of a promotion rival, but certainly not one of the bigger sides. And they go to Peterborough this weekend, who certainly fall into that category. Do you go with hope? Before I talk about the hope in my heart, um, I think you, I think you have to call Accrington Stanley a promotion contender now. Have you seen, have you seen what the table looks like for them? Nope. They have three games in hand on Ipswich. Two in get games in, in hand on the leaders' hull. If they win them, they go top. Yes. So it was a massive win when Town beat them earlier in the season. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Huge, huge moments. What um, are we worried about, eh? <clears throat> exactly. Let's not, not worry about Peterborough. It's, uh, we've got Atkin, there's Atkinson to worry about. But no, uh, Peterborough, um, I don't think you'll find many of an Ipswich persuasion going into this game full of confidence that Ipswich are going to win, will you? Um, and I count myself among those. Um, obviously, this was a, this was an issue last season, losing to these teams. Peterborough mauled them. They dismantled mm. them at Portman Road. I, I can't remember if it was probably Feb, February. Um, yeah, it was, yeah. Um, they, they absolutely mauled them. Um, they toyed with them. And... I go into this game fearing fearing that again. Um, whether that's a rational fear or not, I don't know. But there, you know, that that is a fear. Saying that, Peterborough are as inconsistent as any in this league. They are they're winning games quite handsomely, and then and then losing games that you wouldn't wouldn't expect them to lose they've been knocked out of the FA Cup by non-league teams they they're having the same kind of ups and downs this season as Ipswich are having the two teams are on the same number of points but yet you still feel that Peterborough are probably the team out of these two that are packed with the firepower and have the goals in them to to win the game um Ipswich you you'd fancy would have to keep a clean sheet to win this game um, which mean, you know, in all likelihood, to win it, they're going to have to score twice, which you know is something they've not they've not managing to do against these teams. Johnson Clark Harris um, scoring a lot of goals for them at the moment. Scored a hat trick at, at the weekend, I believe. He scored again last night. So you can't. I can't bring myself to be really hopeful about this. I I, I really can't. As much as I want. I want them to show that they can do it. I want them to really prove some people wrong, prove us wrong in this game, make the statement that we've been asking them to make for a year. Um, I can't bring myself to be really positive about it. I really can't. I'm trying. I'm trying. But well, um, you only have to look at the, the the evidence and the history, don't you? I mean, you'd be you'd be silly to say that you were confident going into this game. If you were in Paul Lambert's shoes, though. Um, is there anything you would look to do going to Peterborough in terms of the way you'd set your team up, selection? What gives Town the best chance of, of at least getting a point out of this game? Defending better would, yeah. would, is the one. Um, if he's fit and available, I know he's not 
always the most popular. He's not flashy. I would have James Wilson back in that back four in a heartbeat uh, if he was fit, if he was genuinely fit and good to go. Um, I think he just brings that seven out of 10 rugged, good positioning, good vocal vocal work. I'd have him back in there. Who's going to replace him? <clears throat> Wolfenden? Yeah. Uh, I'm, tor- I'm torn on this one because... Man for man at, at the moment probably probably would be Wolfenden that would make way, but I have I have thoughts about Wolfenden. Uh, I have thoughts about McGuinness being preferred to Wolfenden, um, given that he's a loney and how important Wolfenden is to the future. But at the moment, yeah, if if Wilson was fit, maybe I would do that. I'd dip out dip out Wolfenden and put put Wilson in. Um probably going to be the same midfield too, Hughes and Dizel, and I think that's fine. I think Hughes will benefit from playing a second game a bit sharper. Dizel, like we've already talked about, can benefit from that. Um, I'd probably go with... I'd probably... They haven't got many decisions to make, and I probably would just go with what, what they went with the other night, assuming Dobra comes in from, for Bennett's maybe, if injured, but oh. they they need to defend better because they can't... They haven't got the firepower themselves to allow Peterborough to to jump and do what Peterborough do and and score quickly. I think they were four nil up in half an hour at the weekend. Mm. So um, you can this game could get away from Ipswich very care very quickly if they don't if they don't defend smartly. But mm. that that that's the area where they can win or lose this. You know what? You know what? If they could play well in this game and get a draw, I'd be very happy with that. A draw, be. a draw would be a, yeah. would be a good result. <laughs> yeah, they just need to be competitive in the game. Um, yeah. which in in the losses to Charlton, Hull, and and Portsmouth, they just didn't look like scoring ever mm. really. So they need to they need to have a goal threat and defend well. And if they can do that, I think I think a point could be really positive here. Mm. Just on the Wolfenden thing, I saw a few people make mention of last night. Um, that Lambert apparently lost his shit at Wolfenden at one point, um, really went off on one and gave him both barrels. And a few people saying that that's not the best way to motivate a player like Wolfenden uh, or any young player these days. The days of the hairdryer and the bollockings are kind of gone. Uh, have you got Have you got any thoughts on that? Because obviously Wolfenden is a player who's been up and down this season. He obviously was out of favour at the start of the season. He appears to be an extremely laid-back young man. Um, any Any thoughts on that? Lambert was louder in every sense last night. He, I, I didn't hear this. I've seen someone mention it. I, I, I didn't actually hear this particular incident. Um, yeah. But he was on the back of it. He's been on the back of a lot of players at times. Um, yeah. yeah, it's not necessary. It's not necessarily a style of management that I, you would think people would respond to particularly well. But maybe in the heat of battle on the football pitch. That's what some people need. We've talked about Wolfenden, definitely needing mm. needing sometimes a bit of a rocket. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'd, I, I'd like to see a lot more of how, of how these players are kind of handled at the training ground at their actual workplace rather than kind of in the show, in yeah. the big show, in the big show. Um, but yeah, I can see, I can see why it would not be hugely hugely helpful particularly when you've you've not hit the heights that you've maybe expecting of yourselves mm. Hutchie anything else to discuss 
Um, I've got no other business other than to other than to uh, just say that I'm so excited about sitting on my new chair, Mark. <laughs> I, I, honestly, been sat on this chair. I, I want to end with the chair as well. I, I cannot tell you how excited it is. Look, at, I'll, sh- I'll show you. No one else will be able to see. But here's the here's the cushion bit. Yeah, it's just oh, this chair I've been sitting on for the last nine months has just been awful, and it's taken that long to to get one sorted. And it, it could be a big day for me today. A big day for for yeah, Warren. Warren really could. A big day for Warren's ass, basically. Yeah, uh, and back and lumbar spine. Hutchie, um, I asked a question on Monday, Mark's big question, which I want to I want to ask you to finish. The question was, what are you worst at in the world? What am I worst at in the world? Now, obviously, you, you are good at everything, as all the all the boys are. But there must be something that you're you're particularly bad at. At the moment, having a st- a solid internet connection, <laughs> which peek behind the curtain, this podcast has been recorded. This is this is this is section number four, and I'm hoping that you get to this point, and you can't even tell. That's 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 the hope. Seamless. Um, yeah, but at, right now, staying connected. Um, what am I worst at? Anything, anything practical. I'm terrible at DIY. Although I am trying, I'm trying yeah. to correct. I am trying to correct that. I've been doing a lot more of it of late. But yeah, doing doing things that men should be able to do uh, is not is not a strong suit. <laughs> I'm the same, mate. Like I say, I haven't had any major disasters, and certainly. When when you become a homeowner, you have to take on more of the DIY responsibilities. But uh, it's not something that is my is my time to shine, much to my shame, because I'd love to be one of those guys who could just whack anything up and uh, build anything. I, I very much envy that. But anyway, mm. um, <clears throat> we shall take our leave then. As, as Hutchie says, this has been recorded in four parts. I think we've been recording for about an hour and a half for a show that I think is probably going to be about 15 minutes long. But uh, we, we, we shall see. Hopefully it gets to you uh, all together and you, and you can still enjoy it. Um, one big thing, obviously, to mention before we go, next Wednesday, December the 23rd, KOA Live 3, the Christmas special. This time it's got bells on. I know the boys are absolutely buzzing for this um, next Wednesday. Please do sign up. Um, it's be a chance to kind of put a cap on what's been a particularly shit year. Have a bit of fun, drink a bit of sherry, have a mince pie, uh, and just uh, get together with the Cali Army and, and talk to as many of you as possible. End the year on a high, as I say. Um, the sign up, uh, you need to sign up via the Zoom link, which is all over our social media. I'll tweet it again after this. And obviously follow us on all our social medias, Kings of Anger, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And also leave us the five-star reviews that we so covet on iTunes to get us above the Kings of, Ang- uh, Kings of Leon podcast. Excuse me. Um, I think you're going to have to go, Hutchie. Is that is that a cry from your daughter? Daddy. Oh no! It's right at the end. Oh, disaster! Daddy. <laughs>
。